Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. I'm glad you guys are here. So glad you guys are here. How about them balls? I don't think it's biblical to talk about teams unless Tennessee wins. And then all of a sudden, it's a God thing. And trust me, it is a God thing. Um, listen, uh, I do want to thank the praise band for filling in. I know they told you, but um, Leslie got intoxicated last night and fell and hit her head. So, <clears throat> no, she did not get intoxicated. She only had four drinks. No, she did not get intoxicated. She'll, she'll kill me if she hope. Leslie, I hope you're watching this because I will not be here next Sunday. I will be in the hospital. Um, but uh, she did. Dan is such a such a trooper. But uh, where's James at? James, thank you so much for leading the way. Yeah, y'all give it up for James. And the praise band did such a great job. Yeah, they did such a great job, and I'm thankful for them. Uh, yeah, they have a couple of uh, couple of our our college kiddos uh, home from UGA too. So good to see you, sweet girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I'm good to see you too, Blakester. So yeah, glad y'all, glad y'all are both here. Um, it's good stuff. So, uh, and I think Anna Wanna is over there on the side. Anna, hey girl. Thank, glad you guys are here. It's always great. One of the things I love is, is whenever our college students come back and I get to talk to them and I see that, that, uh, they're all still faithful. They're all still following Christ. Um, you know, they're all, they're all still uh, doing what God is calling them to do. And I see their progression into their careers and what God is using them for. And a lot of these kids are kids that I've known forever. So um, it's just an exciting thing to see. Um, I can assure you that we, everyone here, did not have their stuff together like y'all do. All right? We did not at your age. Okay? I was an idiot. Um, I really was. So, hey, listen, turn to John chapter 1. Let's look at John chapter 1 today. Let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want to give you a brief background behind what we're talking about today. Uh, As we've already said, the author of the book of John is uh, the disciple that John loved, um, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And... John is answering questions uh, about Jesus uh, for those that were in ancient Ephesus. Now, I told you that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all synoptic gospels. That means they made a flow and they gave background information and they gave all of these things. John didn't do that. That wasn't his whole point. Uh, his whole point was that we, uh, if, when you believe, uh, then you will live. And um, which is why we call the sermon, the, the series that I want to tell you that it's really separated into two parts. The first part is chapters John one, uh, one through 12. That's the book of signs. That's all the things that Jesus did. And then John 13 through 21 is a book of glory. That's his literally giving his life over for for us. 
And uh, so that's that. The main goal of the book, I'll bring up that scripture. The main goal of the book is found in John 20, verse 31. And I said we're going to say this every week, and we will. And here's the main goal of the book. But these are written. What's written? The, the book that he, just, he was writing. These letters are written. This book is written so that you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his Name. Today's text is John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. And I want to read that now. Here's what it says. It says, the next day, now I want to stop there and tell you uh, the way this is going is, and we're going to see this next week and the week after too, there's going to be four days uh, that, he, that he starts out, four days that he, that he highlights. And so uh, last week we saw the first day, and that was the interaction with those religious people. We saw the first day, we did the prologue, then the first day. Today is the second day, and then next week we'll have the third day and the fourth day. All right? And so there's four main days that he highlights here before the blasting off, and we start to see the miracles begin to happen in his life. So on the second day, on the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said... And this is one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures. It says this, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is greater than I am. For he existed long before me. And this is an interesting part that I want you to see. All right. And here's what it says. It says, I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John testified, he said this, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will, be, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And we talked a little bit about that last week. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The phrase that I want you to highlight there is found in verse 29 where it says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. Now, for you and I, we know the Lamb of God. We've heard that so many times and we've heard that over and over and over and over and over again. But I want you to know something. That phrase, the Lamb of God, that phrase was not used back then. The Lamb of God to take away. They didn't see that as much. They hadn't connected what we're going to see in a little bit, which is the suffering servant. They hadn't connected that as much. And I want you to know this too. John, it, it was found. Peter said it briefly, and we'll see that. But John was the main one that used that phrase, the Lamb of God. And he did it twice. He did it here. And then he did it in the book of Revelation. And we'll look at that in a minute. Now, what was he referencing? Well, more than likely, he was referencing a couple of things. The first one was found in Exodus chapter 12. And we have that. Exodus chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. It said, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. And it said, then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. And it goes on to say, then they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames where, where, uh, where they eat the animal. So wherever they are located, they're going to smear it over the top. Now what's going on here? Let me tell you what's going on here. It's what we commonly know now as the Passover. 
So there's going to be a plague that comes through. Uh, Moses has already said, let my people go. They're not doing that. And so they're going to literally put blood of a lamb on the top and doorpost. And there's going to be a, 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 a what we later realize, there's going to be a, a death that comes through. And those that have that are going to be passed over. So the blood of the lamb helps to pass over that home. And so all those that were in that home were to be saved. And so the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God, the one that is to come and is to apparently die for the sins of you and me. And that would be passed over. We would be then passed over and we would never experience that death. We would never experience the death that others are experiencing. The Passover lamb is one thing that he probably was thinking about. But there's another thing as well. It's referenced in Isaiah 53. It's the suffering servant. And yes, we're going to read the whole thing because I love it. I love this passage. The suffering servant. Isaiah 53. It's 1 through 12. Isaiah 53. It says, who has believed our message? To whom Has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. And it says this, and this is one of the things that I love because every time we see a picture of Jesus, he always looks like Fabio with a shorter haircut, doesn't he? He's like blue eyes going, I'm Jesus. No, (laughs) that's not what it is. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. And here's nothing to attract us to him. There was nothing to attract us to him. I tell you what attracted me to him is the love that I was shown and the compassion that I was shown by the people that represent him. And then I experienced God firsthand when he came and when he touched me. Verse 3 says this, it says, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. And he was despised and we did not care. And then it says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And when I read that, I think about the road The road to Golgotha, the road where he's carrying the cross. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. And then he says this, but he, here it is, and I'm getting chills. He was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be what? Whole. He was beaten so we could be whole. Are you living a life that's whole? Are you living a life that's whole? Because he was beaten so that you could live a life that's whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed And treated harshly, yet he never said a word. 
And here it is. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. And here it is. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. All prophecies that are coming through, by the way, all prophecies written years ago. All of these are prophecies by Isaiah that end up coming through in the life of Christ. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering of sin, he will have many descendants And that's you and me. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And it says, when he sees that all is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. And here it is, for he will bear their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and intercede for rebels. That is the suffering servant. And that is the greatness of Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He may have been thinking about this as well in Genesis chapter 22. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 13. Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, it says this. You know the scene. It's whenever, it's whenever Abraham is taking his son Isaac up on the mountain. And he goes up on the mountain. And, and, and Isaac, like I would have done, I would have said, uh, we're going up. We're going to build an altar. Uh, where did lamb at? What's the sacrifice? You know what I mean? And it's, it's interesting because I, it's interesting because if you read the story, it appears as if Isaac just got up on the altar and then he started tying him up and everything. Oh, we'd have been a fight. We'd have thrown down. I'd have been like, no, bro, I don't know what you're doing. Are you crazy? Trying to kill me? Where is it at? Abraham said, the Lord will provide. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. He took this animal in place of his son. John says again, the author John says again, and I love this. And yeah, we're going to read the whole thing because I love it. It's such a beautiful representation in the book of Revelation chapter 5. It's Revelation chapter 5. Turn there. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 1 through 14. Man, this is, this just keeps on getting gooder and gooder. Here's what Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 14 says. It says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand. Of the one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted in a loud voice. 
Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it up? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, who has won the victory, he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now you'd think being told that the lion of Judah, the lion of Judah, the one that is, he is worthy to open. So immediately if I was John the author, I would be saying, where's the lion? And he says this, then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out to every part of the earth. He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And so will you and so will I. Each one had a harp and they held the gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals open and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God and every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a king of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And they sing. And this is a song we're going to sing. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and they worshipped the Lamb. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John's baptism of Jesus probably happened the day before. How do we know that? I'm glad you ask. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize him. And then we see this final. It says this, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. He brings me great joy. I want you to understand something. John in chapter 1, the author John in chapter 1 is pleading with you that you understand and recognize who Jesus is. He's telling you, please understand, I'm starting out, I'm giving you this prologue, I'm telling you all the things I'm I'm, I'm trying my best to let you understand exactly who Jesus is so that you would believe and so that you would live. 
How do I know that? Well, I know that because in John chapter 1 alone, here, here's what he says about Jesus. He was the Word. That's verse 1. He was the, uh, the Word was God. That's verse 1. The Lamb of God in verse 29. The Son of God in verse 34. Rabbi in verse 38. The Messiah in verse 41. King of Israel in verse 49. And the Son of Man in verse 51. It's important to recognize who Jesus was. It was important to John and it's important to you and I. But I want to tell you something. Before you can recognize who Jesus is, you need to recognize who you are. I want to say that again. Before you recognize who Jesus is, we have to recognize who we are. One of the things that I've seen many times in people that have gone through a 12-step program, maybe they have some kind of addiction or there's some kind of something that they have going on. It's an addictive. When you're addicted to something, it's a program. The first thing you have to do is you have to recognize, you have to recognize that you can't do this alone and that you have an issue. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. One of the biggest issues that we have as human beings is that we think we can do it on our own. We do. And one of the first things you have to do when you go into a 12-step program is you have to admit, I can't do this on my own. You have to recognize the sin. It's so interesting. Having, having had family members that have gone through things like this, one of the most difficult things that you, that you try to do with a family member that goes through this is trying to convince them that they have a problem. You have a problem. You even bring family members together, other family members, and you all gather around and they say, you have an issue. You have a problem. There's something about our sinful nature that simply won't allow us to recognize when people that we love tell us that we have a problem, especially if they come in two, three, four, five. When we, when someone tells us we have a problem, oftentimes we don't want to recognize it. We don't, but we need to recognize who we are. Our biggest issue today is that we really think that we're greater than we really are. We do. We believe that we're self-sufficient. We believe that everything works out and we, we've got everything going on. And it's interesting because it's not, until, it's not until something happens to show us that we really aren't self-sufficient and we really don't have it going on that we try to change. And then we get lulled back into thinking that we are. Let me give you an example. I was driving to work on September 11th. 2021, 2001, I was listening to a talk radio station. And within a matter of minutes, I realized that the whole world has changed that I'd known it. And I recognized I have no control, no nothing over anything. Are you with me? Have no control over anything. The second thing I want to tell you is this. It happened to us. So here's the scenario. We are literally starting to make plans for my, my son's graduation. Like we're, I'm looking at maybe little tents in the backyard or what we're going to do. And, and we're, we're, we're trying to see, okay, now who all's coming and where are they going to sleep at? And do we need to buy another bed or do we just need to get a hotel room? And okay, let's go ahead and book the hotel rooms. And so what we do is, is we book the hotel room. Let's go ahead and start doing those things. Let's start looking at things because all the hotel rooms are going to be gone. So my brother needs to come and, and they're going to come and they're going to come. And I start making out these big long lists of all these people are going to come. And we already had it planned. We really did. As a matter of fact, Wendy, Wendy was going to 
actually be able to give Blake his, his diploma. She was going to be able to hand him his diploma. On the stage up there when he walks across the stage. Little did I know. That was on, that was on March 12th, by the way. March 13th, everything shut down. Everything shut down. Everything changed. Everything changed. And it is today, today is September of 2022 and things are still changed. We're still dealing with it. We're still dealing with it. And let me say something to you. That was from a virus that we didn't even know existed a couple months before March. Are we really as strong as we think we are? Are we really that strong? Are we really, are we really as strong as we think we are? I don't think so. I don't think so. We get lulled into those things and suddenly we think that we are. So who are we? I'll tell you who we are. We're a vapor on the timeline of eternity is who we are. We're a brief little speck in history. And because of our fallen and sinful nature, we are sinners in need of a savior. I want to tell you this. Unless God does the work that he did through Christ, we are hopeless. We are hopeless. That's who we are. That's who we are. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says this, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations for our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were the subject of God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, but God, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only, I want you to listen, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us all and uh, and could point to us in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. God's grace is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done because we're all filthy rags as we've seen before. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's what? Masterpiece. Other scriptures say, other translations say workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. That's who we were and that's who God is.
the first thing we do to recognize who Jesus is is to recognize who we are. And next, you recognize who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question. Would you be surprised? I, I, want, to, I want you to show that scripture again, if you would, please. Um, let's look at verse 34 in John chapter 1. It's the last verse in verse 34. John chapter 1. It says this. It says, I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. I testify it. Let me ask you a question. Would it surprise you that John later on had doubts? Would it surprise you? Would that surprise you to know that? Let's look at Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 23. John the Baptist is in prison. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples. He's in prison. And he sent them to the Lord and asked. Now here it is. Remember, he testified earlier. He had testified earlier. Right? He testified earlier. I proclaim that this is who this is. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And then he says this, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he says, then he told John's disciples, go back, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being, is being preached to the poor. And then he says this, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. John had doubts and asked for clarification. Sometimes you may have doubts and you may need clarification. The interesting thing I see here is, is that when, when, when John the Baptist did all he did with Christ and then he had his doubts and he sent two disciples to go talk to Jesus and say, are you really the one? John was in prison, man. He was in a world of hurt. And the interesting thing to me is, is that Jesus didn't say, what are you, an idiot? You saw the dove come down. You heard the voice of God. He didn't say that, did he? All he did is remind him of all of the things that he had done. That's all he did. Listen, you may have doubts too. I want to tell you something. All God's going to do is, is just remind him all the things he's done in your life. And that he can be trusted. That's all he's going to do. That's all he's going to do. So who's Jesus? Jesus was the sacrifice for your sin. He's the life giver. He is the suffering servant. We saw in John chapter 1 that he is there and he was the creative arm of God. He's the bread of life. He's the son of the living God. And I could go on and on and on and on. And the author of John wants you to know clearly who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Year after year after year after year, a lamb without blemish would have to be taken to the altar and killed for the sins of the people. It was a sacrifice. And John, the author, wants you to know this. 
Jesus is that sacrifice for your sins. And here's what Jesus says at the end. It is finished. It's done. He is the sacrifice. No longer do you have to make those sacrifices. He is the Lamb of God. Not yearly, for the final time, he is the final sacrifice. And the question is, is what do you and I do with that now? And here's my answer to you. You live your life to point to him. You live your life to point to him. Whenever I had first given my life to Christ, uh, I have a tendency to be a little bit of a rebel. I know that shocks everybody. But I am a little bit of a rebel. Okay, if you tell me I can't do something, there's a strong possibility that I'm going to do it. It's just going to happen. Or I guess I'm going to try to do it. Um, I don't like people trying to put me into all these norms. And I don't, I don't, I've always been this way. I don't know why. I, was, I guess I was born this way. I have no idea. I've just always been a little bit of a rebel. Chances are I would probably be out with John the Baptist in the wilderness going, yeah, that would probably be me. All right. I posted a picture last night. Uh, after the Tennessee game of a guy who was dressed up in a mustard shirt. He had a mustard bottle shirt, a mustard, whole mustard outfit with orange and white checkerboard socks, orange shoes, and he looked like a complete idiot. And he absolutely should care less. That's me. Okay. That's me. And I needed to connect whenever I gave my life over to Christ. I needed to know because all I saw, I saw a a lot of people that were very well dressed, which is awesome. And I saw, I I needed to connect with someone and something that I could, I could really connect with. And I connected with this, this author and this, this songwriter named Rich Mullins. I connected with this author named Rich Mullins, a songwriter named Rich Mullins. If you don't know Rich Mullins is, he wrote the song Awesome God. A lot of people know that song. But he was a little bit of a rebel. He was a little bit of a prophet type person. He was a little bit of a rebel. And there's a book, there's a book called An Arrow to God. And they they had a, they had a, 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 he, he and his friends was going on a trip and, and Rich Mullins went on the top of a hill and like, did a shot like this. And his buddy said, hey, man, you look like an arrow pointing up to God. You look like an arrow pointing up to God. And that's exactly the way Rich Mullen lived his life. He wasn't perfect. He was very, very flawed, actually. And so are you. And so am I. But he was an arrow pointing up to God. John the Baptist The reason it's one of my favorite verses is he was pointing away from himself and pointing to the Lamb of God. Like I said last week, he was putting everything away from himself. I want to to read a, a quick quote to you. I love Savannah, Georgia. I do. I love it. I love going to Savannah, Georgia. I love walking around Savannah, Georgia. I like the bus little thing that tour you can take on Savannah, Georgia, because if you get hot, you can jump on and rest for a while. I like that too. But I love Savannah, Georgia. One of the things I love are the different squares. I love going in the different squares. And there's one called Whitfield Square from George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a pastor and evangelist. And he was, a, he was a godly, godly man. And there's a, stat, there's a Whitfield Square there with a statue. 
And I'm here to tell you he would have hated it. And here's why he would have hated it. Because this is what he said. Let my name die everywhere. Let even my friends forget me. If that means the cause of the blessed Jesus may be promoted. Let everyone forget me. Let my name be forgotten. Let even my friends forget who I was. If that means the cause of the blessed Jesus may be promoted. I want my whole life to point toward Jesus. The way I act. The way I love people. The way I react to others. I'm still working on that one. The way I conduct my business. The way I treat my family. The way I spend my money. The things I value. The sacrifices I make. And on and on and on. I want my whole life to point toward Jesus. And so from now until my dying death, I want people to see Jesus Christ and him victorious in my life. Holy Spirit helping me, I want to point to Jesus. And I'm telling you that you too should have the same goal for your life to point to Jesus. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you so much for covering over the multitude of sin in my own life. Thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, I pray that you would allow us to be an arrow pointing to you. Lord, let us recognize who we are. Let us recognize the the briefness of our life. Let us recognize the vapor that we are. But God, what you did by sending Christ, what you did By sending the lamb that was slain. What you did by sending the one that was able to open the scrolls. What you did requires me to recognize you. And to live my life wholly devoted to the mission that you have me on. I pray that we would all embrace that mission. Thank you, Lord. For your life-giving sacrifice and your life-giving power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I before the praise team sings, they asked me when I came up here, they said, Hey, listen, they said, you know, Dan's not gonna be here. And and the last song is kind of upbeat. It's kind of it's a rock song, okay? All right. It's a rock song, apparently. It's not upbeat. No, I know the song and you will too. Should we do this? And I said, yes, because we don't want to to end this whole discussion with something boring and dull. Because I don't think Jesus would do that. 
I think he'd kind of rock out knowing that we want to point our lives toward him. So why don't you stand up and why don't you join me? The altar is always open. I invite you to come if you need to come. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.